From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, February 22nd. The other day at the Old Spanish Trail Arena, two sheriff's deputies and the county's code enforcement officer were leaning over an ATV. They're getting a noise reading. This vehicle is from Ultimate UTV Adventures. That's just one of the 12 local companies these officers are tasked with testing before tourism season starts. Yes, so like this company has 12 machines that we're testing. Josh Green, county code enforcement officer, he explains they have to test representative vehicles from each company's fleet. Yeah, so what we do is we test every make, model, and year. So if they had one 2021 KRX, one 2022 KRX, one of each. If they had 17 of the 2022s, I'm only going to be testing one of them. Under county code, vehicles like ATVs and UTVs cannot emit noise louder than 92 decibels, as measured by a stationary test. Larson Davis. A Larson Davis. Sound 83.1C advisor. That's the county's sound meter. They place it at a certain angle behind the vehicle's tailpipe when testing for noise. So the way that it it works, it's 20 inches and 45 degrees away from it. Uh, We have a a carpet that we cut out in that shape that we use to get the exact measurement so we can make sure it's the same every time. Noise testing is just part of a suite of regulations on ATV and UTV-related businesses that the county and city enacted last year. They include caps on ATV business licenses and requirements that owners have stickers and whip flags to clearly identify their business on the side of their vehicles. Currently, state law prohibits local governments from essentially regulating the vehicles off the streets. But the county can set, quote, reasonable DBA levels that are consistent with federal regulations and enforce them. Of all the machines we've tested, we've only had one go over, 92 so far. Um, We've had probably 40 machines tested. Um, Our recommendation to to the company that had that happen was to um, maybe get a quieter muffler for it and let us retest it. But they also use this by trailering it out to to where it goes. So this one will be on a trailer, will not even be coming through town at all. The county will host one more noise testing event before the spring season. In an email, the county attorney said they, quote, appreciate the work and investment of local ATV businesses to update their fleets with compliant and quieter ATVs. During this testing event, officers recommended one business owner check out a model ATV pulling 83 decibels. Green says this is an opportunity to interact with owners and tell them how to make their machines quieter. Hey, if you fix this, it'll bring down the sound when you're driving, which is what we're all trying to accomplish here. All the companies were on board with it, and you know they're just as interested in um, quieting down the town as, as everybody else. So we're all going to work together and see what we can do. More data from the noise testing events will soon be compiled by the county and available to the public. A new report shows the impact of oil and gas leasing on wilderness areas, even when there is no drilling. It's called speculative leasing. Producers can sit on parcels of public land without drilling or pumping until it's profitable. Justin Higginbottom speaks to an expert about this report and the impact of speculative leasing on wilderness areas. The oil and gas industry holds more than 26 million acres of leases on public lands. 
more than half of that area isn't producing anything. But even if there isn't pumping, those leases can still have an impact on how public lands are managed. But what our analysis looked at and what it shows is that if you have some of our most pristine public lands that are wilderness quality, if they overlap with oil and gas leases, they are three times less likely to be managed for protection. That's Jesse Prentice Dunn of the Center for Western Priorities. His group, along with the Colorado Wildlands Project, looked at the issue. And they see examples near Moab. Take Nine Mile Canyon. That road, which is actually about 40 miles, stretches into the book cliffs. It's often called the world's longest art gallery because of the hundreds of petroglyphs in the area. It's an area that could be managed to protect some of these wild characteristics, but the Bureau of Land Management has declined to do that. And specifically stated that's because there is high potential for oil and gas and there are existing oil and gas leases in the area. Protecting the area's wilderness characteristics might mean not running transmission lines or building new roads. And it could include developing lands for recreation rather than extraction. Ultimately, Prentice Dunn wants to see a change to leasing policy. Right now, the system governing our oil and gas on public lands is more than 100 years old. And just like a 100-year-old house, it's got a foundation that's cracking and in need of reform. He thinks leases are too cheap, which fuels speculation. And he wants energy companies to pay enough in bonds so there's adequate funds to clean up retired wells. The BLM manages one-tenth of the United States. It's truly a shocking stat. And of that, 90% is open to oil and gas drilling. And so I think what we're trying to show with this report is we need more balance in how our public lands are managed. We need to have recreation and conservation alongside oil and gas drilling and not really a thumb on the scale in terms of development. Although with oil prices the highest they've been in years, some of these leases might not sit idle for much longer. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. The Great Salt Lake is in trouble. After last summer's historic drought and years of diverting water from it for public use, its water level reached an all-time low. Right now, state lawmakers are working on legislation in the hopes of restoring it. Meanwhile, some community members are looking to save the lake through art. Emily Means, with our partners at KUER, recently visited Antelope Island to learn more. The salty, eggy stink of the Great Salt Lake smacks you right in the face on the drive to Antelope Island. Along the seven-mile-long causeway, the road to the island, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of birds. Past the birds is a dried-up marina, where water should be. And out on the island, communing with nature, is Nan Seymour. She's been camping just off the shores of the lake since mid-January. When the life of someone you love is at stake, you stay with them. She's a local poet and founder of the River Writing Collective, a community of writers. Seymour plans to keep vigil at the lake throughout the legislative session. We don't know the outcome. We don't know if it's too late to save the lake. We hope it isn't. Uh, but what we do know is this is, a, this is our beloved. And so to be present while her life is in peril is the point of the vigil from the poetic perspective. Her vigil is in tandem with the creation of a poem, really a love letter or prayer. Seymour shared the start of the poem in the Utah Senate early in the legislative session. When praise began to flow, we watched the waters rise along both sides of the causeway. Eleven islands recovered their autonomy. Microbialites sighed with relief. When praise began to It's flow, called irreplaceable. When it's done, it will be at least 1,700 lines long. 
Seymour says that number represents the square miles of water that some people say would be a fully restored lake. The poem is a community effort. Seymour has written some verses, but she's also collecting words from anyone who wants to contribute. The voices in the poem are voices of all kinds of people about their relationship with the lake. And to turn, I think, hearts and faces to the lake and to help shift the culture of, that I grew up in here of apathy and disdain for the lake into a culture of love and reverence. She hasn't been keeping watch completely alone either. Jamie Butler is with the Great Salt Lake Institute at Westminster College. She's a certified lake nerd, a biologist with tattoos of brine shrimp on her arm. At first, she says she didn't know what moved her to camp out of her truck for nearly a week. Isn't that funny? I didn't know at first, and I didn't discover until last night that I came here to speak for the lake. You know, I have 23 years of experience and enthusiasm and passion. It's not just that I've been here. It's that I love to be here, and I wanted to take responsibility for that love and that knowledge and that understanding and like give that to people who are coming out. The poem and the vigil have brought some people out who've never smelled the lake stink before. Like 16-year-old Glory O'Dunton. She's a senior at Granger High School in West Valley City. She came out to Antelope Island with her service learning class to find out about the lake and create some poetry. It was so beautiful. Like when we were driving up, I was like, oh my gosh, every little thing caught my eyes. And the smell, it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't bad. (laughs) And it was just, it was really nice. It was, and the mountains over there were so, so pretty. And the water was super, super cold. As she was writing, she says she felt bad that she didn't know about the lake and what it's provided for people. In her poem, O'Dunton portrays the lake as a woman. Just being there, it gave me, like, mom vibes. Like, a mom gives us so much, but we don't realize it. And, like, it just makes me think of how women give so much to, like, people and to their child, but you don't really see that beauty until it's slowly fading away. O'Dunton says she hopes people, especially young ones, read the poem and get inspired to go out and visit the lake. If people can connect with it, she says she believes that will lead them to take action. I hope that people can appreciate what's there and not just when it's fleeting. If the lake wasn't drying up, I wouldn't have really gotten the chance or seen the importance of how beautiful it was. I feel like we should all appreciate nature because sometimes it disappears. Praise began to flow. We felt the genesis of our feathers. We felt water return to the sea of our Emily Means, KUER News. In the lake of ourselves. We felt the surge of our rivers. We felt tidal. We felt primal. We fell with the snow. This story comes from our partners at KUER, and that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, February 22nd. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.